Yes. Yeah, well, the head was going from side to side with that intro, Tom. Well, we are in the uh, Millennium Noggin. Millennium Noggin, yeah. It's getting it's all fired up and ready is. to uh, blast out in the UTB land. Yes, yes, UTB land. We've got our resident uh, Wookie at the control, because we don't drive the damn thing. No. We just sit back and we got headphones on. Chewbacca. Chewbacca. So, uh, Wookie. <laughs> and if only you could see the Wookiee's face uh, while he was doing yes. that. It's all scrunched up. It's really passionate. Mm, Very passionate. passionate. Uh, look, there's nowhere you'd rather be, yes. uh, Rawdon, in here doing the podcast. It's our yep. favourite time of the week. It we, is. We really enjoy it. Checking the uh, midi, midi-chlorian, midi-chlorian yeah, levels. And what's your levels? <laughs> now, you might ask what the midi-chlorian level is, Tom. Yes. Well, I will. Uh, what is it, Rudin? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's something to do with Jedi, the Force. It's a, it's a, look, it's a, it's on a cellular something level. Something about the physiology of the Jedi, yes. I believe. The more Jedi-like you are, I think the higher your, your, your midi-chlorian, midi-chlorian levels, levels yeah, getting are. getting the nod of approval. The, the Wookiee's nodded for yeah, that, so yeah. you're quite high. You can do the, stuff with your mind. What I might do is introduce some intra-workout midi-chlorians. Yes. And, uh, and just see. <laughs> no, in, maybe in the miso soup. Yeah. You know, we could have the miso soup <laughs> and uh, some midi-chlorians yes. to get through the... Uh, the miso soup. Yeah, yes. I like it, mate. It sounds mm, very good. Mm, mm. Now, on to some issues of... Science-based ser- issues, of yes. seriosity. Mm. Big show coming up, Broadham. We've Big. got a few little bits and pieces to float out there. A yep. couple of carrots Into to dangle. UTB land. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. A few dangling carrots, correct. Um, we've got a question about uh, intra-workout supplementation, funny enough, which we'll uh, uh-huh. deal with that. Uh-huh. And Mac Nutrition Part 2. Yes. So, in Part 1, he was setting the scene. We learned about Mac Nutrition and got an idea about some of his general philosophies you're talking about martin mcdonald there of course so he's the man behind nutritionist i mean tons of bells and whistles and feathers and caps he's a he's a very (laughs) uh established i think the uh the british olympic team and all sorts of stuff but but really is uh, if you haven't seen any of his podcasts out and about in podcast land highly recommended really really smart guy yep 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 so you're right rudin Uh, mac nutrition is the consultancy firm that uh he runs over there so martin mcdonald is on for part two two and uh he goes balls deep into a few things now so we're going to talk about the adaptive metabolism and he has he does a good job of sort of explaining yep. that and and in a roundabout way in a roundabout <laughs> way yeah as, yeah as all uh, englishmen do yeah and body mass index uh-huh. uh versus neat yep. and how that all plays well, out neat is it is it only neat well we talk about neat and then he drops a bit of a mac nutrition exclusive mm. and mm. Uh, his own interpretation of neat which he calls neenat which stands for non-exercise non-activity Thermogenesis. Okay. Yeah, because there's a bit of a distinction that he draws between, uh, I think the examples he gives is, you know, the foot or the hand twitching, yes. Yes. as opposed to walking around the shopping center carrying a couple of shopping yeah, bags yeah, like a farmer's that, carry. You know, that's different. an obvious one, but yeah. the old Nenat is, uh, is a little more... Yeah, uh, so drawing the distinction between the two. Yeah, yeah okay, those cool. non-conscious ones and the ones which are obviously, you know, you're, yep. you're doing things. Okay. And, and look, just generally, you know, he goes into the... That process of dieting and dropping body fat. Okay. He goes over refeeds. Okay. Intermittent fasting, big caloric deficits, and various things. Mm. So it's uh, it's actually really good Warts part two. Yeah. Warts yeah. And he, all. he gets uh, probably notepad and pen worthy. Okay. I dare say. So Very good. We'll get to him. So uh, that's coming up. We'll get to him shortly. Now, Rawdon, before we went to air today, before mm. we climbed into the uh, Millennium Noggin. Yes. And, uh, and checked our levels of what are they called? Midichlorians. Midichlorians. Yeah. They're very we, high. We had a very uh, high today. A meeting of the minds with yeah. our uh, UTB of the minds. <laughs> seminar cohorts. 
Luke Tulloch, uh, resident neuroscientist, yep. and then also Dr. Vinesh Singh. Yep, and we've got to get back on the podcast. Let, yes. Let's let's get him in the next yeah. week or two to break yeah. down a few health-related issues. Yes. Um, Use, the yes. four of us got together and started uh, crunching some content mm. for the Under mm. the Bar Spitballing Seminar Part we 2. We spitballed. We did indeed. July, I think we penciled in. July, so yeah. So we got a, we got a, well, we got a few months to leave it to the last minute. Yes. So let's not plan <laughs> anything uh, 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 for the next three months. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll get together and uh, cram in the last uh, couple of weeks. Mm. But we're going to do a fat loss specific yeah. seminar. A lot yeah. of the feedback we had yep. was... That was great. What about some fat loss stuff? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a bit like the the uh, thyroid hormone T three T four, the negative feedback loop. <laughs> uh, you know, they said they wanted fat loss, so we're yeah. we're responding accordingly. Yep. And uh, fat loss content was low. Yeah. So we've got to beef it up in the body, and uh, we're going to fire some fat loss content back at the attendees. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to change the format as well. And mm. what we thought we'd do, and what we're doing this morning, is breaking down all of the, you know, brainstorming all of the issues related to fat loss, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the millennium noggin, mate. Noggin. Come on now, focus. Um, it's just trying to crank it up. And what we're going to do on the day is yeah. actually break fat loss down into topics yep. and sections that are relevant. And then all four of us yes. are going to work on these issues in conjunction. Yep. So rather than having a Tom presentation and a Rawdon presentation yep. and a Vinny presentation and a Luke presentation, yep. we're all going to work together yes. to break down concepts from our different perspectives. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah, a more yeah, yeah. gen pop perspective. Yep. You'll take that extreme end yep. of the spectrum. Luke can work on science and the physiology. Physio- Vinny can uh, dot I's and cross T's on the mm-hmm. general health, yeah, gut health, inflammation, all, all that kind of stuff, supplementation. So that's how we're going to run it over the day. Yes. And it's going to be the 40-20 seminar. Yeah, 40 minutes on, 20 minutes off. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. intervals. Yeah. Intervals. Yeah, intervals. Yeah. We can't, uh, we don't want to wear ourselves, we don't want to compromise our MRV, Tom. No. So we've got to <laughs> take that in consideration. Yeah, and, uh, 100%. But yeah, no, very excited. And um, rumors that we might take it on tour. That was my idea to uh, yeah. go interstate. Yeah, really jacking up Curtis <laughs> with that one. Mate. Yeah, you no, know. Notice I didn't respond to that text message no, last night. No, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. You probably tossed and turned all night. Yeah. Worrying about it. But uh, but yeah, you know, if anyone thinks it's a good idea, uh, let us know. But we're thinking of, um, you know, uh, down to Sam Hanna's place, Iron Game Fitness down there, or over to the to, to Perth and um, have a seminar over there as well. But but yeah. uh, maybe even up at Tyrone's, you know, we could go Tyrone Jensen. Oh, shout yeah. out, yeah, yeah, uh, tight, tight fitness, yeah, tight <laughs> fitness up there on yeah. the on up at Burley Heads, I think it is. But um, yeah, very exciting. So that's that. Under the bar podcast dot com. Go there and have a sniff around. Sniff around. Uh, g'day to everyone Coming involved soon. with the with the show. Thanks to Raylene out there who's now uh, transcribing away. exclusively transcribing for us, uh, which mm-hmm. is fantastic, and uh, that's good. Thanks, Cam. Give us a sting, and we'll get on with the show. Now, we did have a question come through from Ollie from mm. OC Fitness. Was that SpeakPipe or email? This was via email. Okay. Ollie from OC Fitness in the UK. Hey, guys. Listening to the Wolfgang podcast. A uh, bit of a blast from the past. Listening to the Wolfgang podcast while he's on the road. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The Wolfgang podcast. Yep. And uh, he actually asked, did you ever clarify the amounts he uses for the potassium and phosphorus supplementation? Ah, uh, yep, 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 yep. Keep up the great work. Loving learning from you and your guests. Interesting, informative, and a bit of good banter to boot mm. from Ollie. Mm. So thanks, uh, OC. So Wolfgang was talking about this Unsold. supplementation, uh, particularly the potassium intra-workout. Yeah. says it provides a horrendous pump 
okay. um, when done properly. The issue that I've had is uh, just getting my hands on like a, a form of potassium. It's, it's quite it's, hard yeah, it's to... Not, uh, it's not an over-the-counter supplement, strangely enough. I'm not sure why. Used to be, but now it's not for some reason. So, so like the heart, too much potassium, not good for the heart or something. Um, but anyway, we did. You got in contact with Wolfgang. yeah. I reached out to Wolfgang, and he uh, fired back a uh, and let me know the dosages. So, so the potassium up to two grams per workout. <laughs> Chuck that in your intra workout That's stack juicy. for a huge pump. Yep. And the phosphorus up to five hundred milligrams a day. The usual dosage or the recommended dosage for that is two hundred milligrams. Okay. So, so you would start at two hundred. Two hundred. And then you could titrate your way up there. Okay. Um, so those were those numbers there for OC. That was a pretty. That was a pretty simple one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone else has questions? Let us know. But the whole potassium thing is interesting, and it makes total sense. We've had Chelsea on this program mm-hmm. numerous times mm-hmm. explaining the, you know, sodium potassium, like the pump yep. that controls the intracellular fluid. Yep. And uh, obviously. In, uh, in the Western world in particular, the diets are very high in sodium, sodium. a little lacking in potassium. Mm-hmm. So some potassium... Or maybe a banana pre-workout. Uh, well, yeah. There we go. You heard it on Under the Bar. <laughs> sure, you yeah. go these fancy schmancy well, maybe potassium some, supplements. Maybe some coconut water intra-workout. <laughs> oh, Tom, you're ahead of the game, brother. You've been doing that for months, <laughs> maybe even years with your little coconut water. Uh, interesting. But I will say that uh, sodium 100%, you know, the, the guy's... Um, some some individuals getting ready for stage will take out sodium for extended periods in an attempt to uh, dry out in inverted commas, but um, but uh, they get really really flat and, mm. and they can't get a pump on backstage before they step on stage. So you're right, the the, the, the sodium definitely plays a big role in that, and um, but uh, and the potassium as well, just simply because we're yeah. we're quite short on it. I'm pretty uh, sure you do, but I I actually these days I crack a little bit of Himalayan rock salt into my workout yeah. drink. You been yeah, doing I, that? Uh, mate, I did that, but it. Uh, it's just uh, it tastes like salt. I actually don't mind. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mind that little bit of a, a bit of a, a little, little bit of tang. Yeah. Because I also I, these days I'm chucking a bit of citrulline malate. Yes. Quite a large amount actually, and that's got a little bit of a tang about it as well. But which that's works um, well. that's actually getting some pretty. I saw a good, uh, couple of podcasts, and there's some some good research coming out with the citrulline malate being a, a, a decent vasodilator and increasing blood flow and all this cool stuff. So it is actually uh, one. You're ahead of the game. Coconut water and the, the, the citrulline melee. I mean, it's been around and it's in a lot of pre-workouts, but I'm just saying that that uh, there was actually some some pretty solid research coming out now saying it's not a not a bad weapon of choice um, mm. if vasodilation or increasing blood flow is something that you want to induce. And I was reading that larger doses can be advantageous to the cardiovascular system as yeah. well. And, and I do... That's one thing I have noticed with the citrulline is that perhaps my endurance in the workouts may be a little mm. better. Maybe the, the recovery in between sets when there's a, a few reps involved is is perhaps a little better. So yeah, interesting. Apart from but the vasodilation, maybe some performance aspect as well. Well, I will say, um, you know, I always like to take things a little bit further and, you know, <laughs> push the boundaries a little more, Tom. Yeah, you know, the, the, the TDM way. More is always better. More is always better. But I go the Tadalafil, which is uh, Cialis, basically, and everyone's sort of, oh, Cialis, like Viagra. Yeah, yeah. But it's something that uh, John Meadows actually um, explained more from a uh, pre-stage. Obviously, for guys, you don't want them to be aroused, but before they get on stage, that could be embarrassing. But uh, usually, they're depleted, and that's the last thing on their mind. But anyway, so the point is, he recommended it uh, as a um, an agent to cause uh, illicit uh, superior vasodilation. Mm. And um, I actually, yeah, there's various pharmacies that you can order online and. Uh, and I take five milligrams with uh, my about half an hour before I train, half an hour, hour before I train, and um, yeah, yeah like, uh, that's just part of my part of the uh, process. Uh, part of the process, and um, 
you know some amino acids and carbs and those sorts of things uh, I won't bore you with the details there but, mm. but to the to Dalafil or Cialis as it's known the, the brand name it's just a low dose 5 milligrams and the reason I'm bringing it up because you mentioned cardiovascular benefits and uh, and there's actually some good research again if you get on PubMed and have a, a bit of a search you'll you know cardiovascular and, and Cialis or Tadalafil you will see that it actually has been shown to have cardiac because it's a vasodilator it, mm. it, 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 it softens the artery wall so it obviously is has cardiovascular benefit so um, yeah they're actually saying that, that uh, and my testosterone therapist doctor actually said that there's some nice correlation with cardiovascular improvements uh, in markers and, and a very low dose so 5 milligrams a day of uh, the Tadalafil or the, the Cialis which is a right you know, you can take 20... I mean, if you're taking it for erectile dysfunction, it would be like 20 grams. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and some guys will need more. But a very low dose uh, seems to have cardiovascular benefits. Plus, it gives you a, a nice pump, mm, literally, mm. while you're while you're training. And I'd imagine there would be, you yeah, know, a, look, a little bit of... Uh, not full mongrel, but a bit of... Yeah, look, uh, a bit of mongrel semi there. Semi-mongrel. Semi-mongrel. And if, you know, if you're... It's ready, ready, it's it's ready mate, to stand to attention when it, it needs to. It stands to attention, you know, and, and it's... <laughs> It's <laughs> a good four to six hours, you know, or plus that it's going to mm, be in the system. Mm. So, you know, if you do, if there is an opportunity for some action okay. post-training, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you, you know, if you've got a little left in the tank, maybe post-carbohydrate consumption, you could certainly, uh, you're good to go for a few hours afterwards. So oh, that's the missus or, or, or the mister might uh, appreciate that after after you've trained. So now, there's a bit of TDM uh, madness there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Now, mate, we jokingly brought this up pre-show, mm, but I, mm. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. But, uh, this Let's seems go for like, it. This seems like an appropriate time to mm. bring up the... Uh, your latest little bit of <laughs> your latest little bit of yeah. research on well, the the screen cream, <laughs> screen cream. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, talk um, us through that one, mate. Well, mate, look, it's uh, it's interesting that you actually t- brought that up on air. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. But basically, it's a uh, <coughs> uh, well. Mm, let's see. Well, it's uh, I contacted. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go with this, but anyway, basically, it's warts a, and all, a mate. warts and all. Yeah, it's yeah. a cream that you can, you know, you can. <laughs> rub on various parts of the body and it enhances uh things right so you know say you had a had a missus that uh that wasn't screaming as much as what she should be screaming then then hypothetical missus yeah hypothetical you know say someone you met off tinder and they they weren't making as much noise as what you would uh, like like uh you know a little little rub of the the screen cream appropriately placed and uh massaged in <laughs> you might uh, she might scream a little more so anyway jokes aside yeah it's like a, a cream with a little bit of testosterone in it and various things it's uh it's actually a product that is produced all jokes aside i mean it's a legitimate product we can't get it here no i can't order it or sneaky pharmacy or anything like that it's for dr john chrysler is is the man behind it or one of the guys behind it and it's a pharmacy that he's uh He's involved with. I don't know if he actually created the product, but it's uh, Empower Pharmacy in the U.S. Um, so basically, uh, sexual dysfunction for women that uh, they can't orgasm, the, the scream cream. And I think you know most girls are putting their hand up and say, "Oh, you know, with, you know, I have issues there from time to time." But but yeah, it was just uh, I was sort of. So you apply it topically. It's got a little bit of testosterone, so yeah, a little a bit of Viagra things. or something. Yeah, in there, yeah. A few bits seems and to pieces. seems to have a few bits. Enhance blood flow, enhance yeah. sensitivity, and yeah. you know, I think that's what it's primarily going to do. But uh, but yeah, that—that's that, what. <laughs> thanks for bringing that one up. But yeah, if if, if you had a you know a hypothetical uh, partner that uh, that you wanted to scream twenty four seven, then maybe some uh, scream cream is, is right up your yeah, alley. Yeah, yeah. So with the combination of the uh, of the Cialis <laughs> intra workout, yeah, well, mate, the, the scream cream, cream a little bit of uh, 
appropriately placed scream trim, yeah. But but like it's a legitimate product. I mean, all jokes aside, <laughs> and and it's uh, if you're in the US, you could do a consult with Dr. John Chrysler. Um, all things male, but yes. uh, but he does treat females as well, and that's where how it all came about. I don't really know, you know, how how I went down that uh, rabbit hole, but mm. I went down there. I was just interested, and um, yeah, always always pushing the boundaries. I like, you know, if yeah. something's good, maybe it could be better. better. You know, maybe there's some sort of scream cream out there, yeah. and sure enough, there was. It was <laughs> amazing, <laughs> very good, mate. I like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes. Doctors. Yeah, That's so exactly well, right. I hope the, the, the listener appreciates yeah. that Dr. Hewitt and uh, Professor Dubois yeah, yeah. were deep, yeah. balls deep in the trenches yeah. of Sorry, research. I think you mispronounced that. It's Professor Dubious. Dubious, yeah. yeah. It's very dubious that the yeah. Professor Dubois is uh, anything but not dubious. Right. Now, we're going to go to Mac Nutrition, Martin yep. McDonald, very shortly, Broaden. Before we do so, w- one of the things he mentioned in the interview is that if mm. you're going to put someone into a fat loss process, he quite likes being more aggressive at the start with calories than not. He's yes. saying, you know, look, if you're going to drop some fat and be hungry on a 500 calorie deficit, well, you know, does it hurt to just be a little bit hungrier? What's mm. the difference between mm. being a bit hungry and really hungry, mm. do some intermittent fasting, get yep. a faster result, get the show yep. on the road? Yep. And he said, look, don't be concerned about the the loss of muscle mass. You know, if the training's structured properly yep. and you, you're maintaining mechanical tension, the yep. numbers are good and you're not being stupid with things, there's not going to be horrific amounts of muscle mass lost. Mm. And there have been times in the show, Rodden, where you've spoken about yeah. what is required to maintain yeah. muscle mass from an energy perspective yep. and from a, an evolutionary perspective, why that's the case. So Definitely. we just thought we better just flesh this one out a yeah. fraction and, and, and sort of... Are we sitting on the fence on this one or are we going to go balls deep? Uh, hit him off at the I pass. think there's a few scenarios, right? Yeah. So, that level of base muscle mass that we all comfortably exist at, so... Set point. Set point. Mm-hmm. Once the dieting process begins, and depending on how ball deep you go, there's going to be yeah. a little bit of muscle loss. Initially, the mind games begin because obviously you're depleting glycogen and, mm-hmm. and water and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. from the cell, yep. Yep. so they feel flatter and smaller. Yep. Now, whether or not contractile fiber is actually wasting away yeah probably not mm. but i think when you've spoken about maintaining muscle mass it's off the back of going through a process of really driving hard to build yes. new fresh yeah. hard gaining muscle yeah a- and once you start pulling calories away from that particularly if it happens too quickly inevitably there's going to be a little bit of loss there yeah and i think martin was just pointing out that more along the lines of yeah okay there might be a little bit but don't don't sweat it. It's not going to be break the bank balance. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a little bit, but the fat loss you'll gain would be would be better. I, mean, I guess my point, uh, my stance would okay. These are the guidelines. You know, energy deficit. The body will always uh, reduce muscle mass to some degree, but if, like Martin said, you, you you maintain all those variables, sleep's really good. The training stimulus is still there. Still a similar style of training that you've been using to build that muscle and maintain that muscle. The the, the numbers are still good. But usually what you'll find, Tom, and I guess Martin was right, because for a very short period, your energy is still usually pretty good. It takes yeah. a little while for that that low energy to kick in and, and really knock you about with 
regarding performance in the gym. So, you know, there's always a reason. And that reason, usually when you're in a calorie deficit, is your performance in the gym is just diminished. You're not yeah. lifting that 100 kilos for, for 10 reps on the, the barbell bench press. It's now, you know, 90, 85. Okay, what's well 15? The body doesn't have to have a 100 kilo uh driving amount of muscle mass it only needs 85 kilo mm. driving amount of muscle mass so it makes sense to atrophy so what uh martin said was right if you can keep pushing the numbers and and, and everything else is good sleep everything else then yeah you probably will maintain most of that muscle mass but i would argue that's not the case in any extended period of dieting you know all my athletes all oh, the numbers are coming down you know so well you're on a thousand calories of course they're going to come down suck it up yeah it's all good and usually a 10 percent uh variation uh, look i don't know if you could get more than 10 it's still okay but that's the number that i like to use so if they're benching uh, 100 you know and they go down to 90 then it's still yeah within limits um, but you will naturally see some sort of drop off and with that i think a correlation in in atrophy yeah. uh, the given muscles i will say if you think about it though what a lot of us do as coaches we're a little bit you know a little bit tippy-toeing mm, i'll just take a little 10 percent uh, drop for the first cutting phase and you won't see anything 20 mm, percent next week or the next couple of weeks yeah we start seeing a little bit of fat loss if you think about it how many calories in a kilo of fat well nine thousand. okay cool well then half a kilo we all you know across the, the the health and fitness world deem about half a kilo of fat a week is is ballpark figure that's what you want to lose so okay what's that half of nine thousand four thousand five hundred calories divide that by seven okay you're at five or six hundred calories okay well if you want to lose half a you know kilo of fat then you theoretically according to the numbers have to be in a five or six hundred calorie deficit now is that usually what you do in the first phase i know i usually go about a couple of hundred yeah, drop yeah, it down yeah. i probably yeah. don't see too much then i go another couple hundred and start seeing maybe that third week of oh we see some fat loss cool Let's just go to 600 first up. Cut Get the, the ball chase. rolling. Yeah, and this is the uh, this is the point. You know, I think. Uh, Martin was on the money there. Let's let's get the ball rolling. Put the body into a notable because remember, there's all individual variability in 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 measuring and and that's assuming that the individual is absolutely perfect with with mm. the consumption of energy and and you drop it 200 calories, and they're exactly 200 calories where that. They could just walk a little less, a little less neat. They might, uh, you know, a bit more rice than what they, they thought they had. And, the, and then the 200 calories is, is nothing, gone. So I think with that five or 600 calorie deficit in that initial cut, or if you had to put numbers on it, more like a 20% drop in energy for that first uh, phase, I think it's, it's significant enough for the body to realize that there's a, an energy drop. And I think you will see... Uh, more fat loss and it sort of ticks the box for not that it's as simple as well that's 4,500 calories divide that by seven but averages over time Broderick we mm. had on recently talks about that so I think um, you know there is there is some method to the madness with what Martin's saying and Absolutely. That, that initial drop but thereafter cool go back to your little 10 percenters that couple of hundred calories thereafter and bring it down uh, you know in a nice linear fashion thereafter mm. but uh, I think that initial phase and there's another factor that uh, and this is a crucial one as well we were talking to groundskeeper Willie about this this morning he's put himself into a, a nice juicy deficit yep. to do a little two week good, good point and when you are a bit more aggressive like that literally after the first day or the second day you notice things starting to tighten things yes. starting to sharpen and there's that psychological Dude, getting results and that feedback from the body just creates the mindset required to keep going balls deep yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. You, know, and, you start and, and feeling better but you switch into fat loss mode 100 percent. and and i will throw in a little something that broderick uh, chavez for our listeners regular listeners will know that 
someone that I've been mentoring with for the last uh, few months and uh, he's had him on the program. We'll get him on again. Everyone loves him. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about... um, you know the whole refeed period and 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 getting uh, getting the body set up for fat loss and and he explained it. You know processes take time. You know much like building muscle, we okay we 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 train and we we put the energy up. Do we build muscle in a day? No, we don't. Do we, two days? No. Week? Okay. Now there's you know the infrastructure starting to go down. It's the, the environment's being created to build muscle. A few weeks later, you know linear progression, progressive overload. Hey, we start seeing some muscle. Great. Same with fat loss. You know, we, 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 we go, it, it takes a while to, to get the body into that fat loss mode. All the, those enzymatic pathways switch on and the body goes from a preservation mode or a homeostasis into outregulates all those fat metabolizing the various pathways that, that initiate and, and are involved in fat loss. They all get switched on. The body becomes more efficient at fat loss. So that's another reason why, again, a little more aggressive deficit you know, get the body more swiftly into that fat loss uh, style of uh, homeostasis. This is the norm now. I want you to be an efficient fat loss machine. And then, you know, the thing is, okay, cool. We've now set up a nice level of fat loss. It's it's occurring. It's great. And then we, um, you know, and I'm guilty of this as well, but we do these, these, these refeed periods and we take the, we basically switch off all the machinery for fat loss. And it's like, okay, now I want to, re- metabolic rate improved. Okay, let's have a week of high calories. And that's all switched off. And then we go back into a deficit thereafter. And then, okay, well, same thing again. Takes a few weeks to get the fat, you know, and you, and you mm. sort of have this ebb and flow. And, and I think sometimes, not for everyone, but we might actually be just extending this, this fat loss process. Now, obviously it has psychological benefits and sometimes it being an energy deficit for an extended period, that is a, a body composition and fat loss uh, journey. It, it's miserable, it's yeah. hard. So psychologically, 100%, you know, you might have to have energy up for an extended period or a couple of days. But just a, a, another aspect to, to, to think about, if that is the case and, and, and those enzymatic pathways and the, and the process of fat loss is sort of something that the body has to get in, 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 the, in the rhythm of, just like many other things, cardiovascular system. Okay, we do one cardio, uh, hit, uh, cardio session, hit session, are we good? No, no way. Fit. No, exactly. It takes a while. Just mm. the same with fat loss. Give it time to be set up and i think what we have to do as coaches is just suck it up and and you know be honest with the 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 client and say hey this is this is hard the body's going to fight you tooth and nail to keep that body fat it it won't want to what you want to do i'm not talking about general pop fat loss that's completely different that's a long-term prospect and they're getting down to healthy body fat levels i'm talking about when we are trying to push those super low body fat levels it is a a miserable existence and yeah okay you can you you can have these refeed periods cool story but you're just going to extend the process of that finished uh, product that you're looking for i think martin addressed this in in the second part of the interview and basically said look if you count up all the numbers all the calories over that extended period with all the refeeds say over the 30-day period Mm. you could have achieved uh, what you've done in 30 days in 20 had you not had those three <laughs> and, or four refeeds and and that's what i'm sort of and i see this tom like my generally my my demographic are pretty ocd and i enforce yes. it upon them and so they're almost like i have you know 25 30 guinea pigs that i'm working with at any one time mm. and i see it time and time again they have that refeed period great okay rejuvenated training body weight goes up a little bit maybe 
there, I, I personally think there might be some benefit with maintaining muscle mass long term, having these periods where the body's not in that really low caloric state, just to you know set the so it's a it's a trade off. You know, you get a little yep. bit more. Okay, well, I, we should maintain this muscle mass. We need it. Energies back up, but but. Maybe because they train better for the few days after having yeah, done the roofing. And, and, and they train a little harder. But uh, so from a, a maintaining muscle mass perspective, I think it might have some merit. But from, from a fat loss perspective, I just, I go back into a deficit, don't really see anything, go another 10%, don't see anything until, you know, a couple of weeks after. Then, and there's always exceptions. I know coaches are going to be listening, well, I do a refit and I notice fat loss the next day. Okay, cool story. But that's an outlier. That's an exception to the rule. And yeah there's always exceptions to the rule but mm. i'm just talking generally speaking maybe like most will say it's it's just got to reduce energy further or to a point like the menno hanselmans of the world do think he has 1800 for men 1500 or maybe 2000 for men 1500 for women and then he just increases energy expenditure so it's cardio introduced more cardio more cardio more cardio until you get to the desired body fat level i will drive calories down further and give them tons of cardio but uh, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, i do what i do but you know it's a combination of both for me but yeah. but, but jokes aside i think it's really um you know are those refeed periods really what's uh um, and Martin will talk about this as well, yep. so he, he'll go into it. But yep. yeah, something to think about. Well, let's go. Let's hear it from the uh, the man himself, Big Dog himself. Part two with Martin McDonald from Mac Nutrition. So I'll just take a, a step back. There's a few concepts that you've mentioned, Martin, that I think our listeners and I would certainly appreciate a little uh, explanation on. In terms of these blocks for fat loss, you mentioned adaptive metabolism and this adaptive reactive metabolism and mm. how that works. Could you just explain that concept for us? Yeah. So uh, that's that's quite a cool one. Um, people tend to use like little terms like, I, I really dislike the term ectomorph. I don't really like the whole somatotyping thing at all. Mm. But... That you know those people who oh he can eat so much and not really gain any weight, and um, these kind of you've got some people who uh, that's the other thing I didn't really finish off with reverse dieting that links to this adaptive metabolism is there are some individuals where you can ramp calories if you do it sort of fairly methodically it's a consistent sort of daily energy surplus rather than a, a really random up and down. Yeah. If you put someone in a calorie surplus consistently every day, for some people, I think the misunderstanding comes in that you're, you're raising their BMR mm. and you, you do that to a small extent and you, you know, obviously if they gain weight, they, their metabolism will go up. But for some people, they're, you know, they're neat and all of these other things have just kind of, they train so much better. They do waste more mm. heat, um, energy through heat. They do fidget a bit more mm. and you can get their calories so high and they just don't really gain too much weight. So there's the, um, <clears throat> oh, this is going to test me. There's basically, there's a study done in prison inmates. I can't remember the, the author, but they, this is going back a long time, but they gave these inmates, um, and it's quite funny, this study, if you read about it online, um, I feel like there's a little bit of Chinese whispers gone on because when I read the actual paper, some of the things that they, everywhere, like everywhere from the BBC News to every health blog you've ever read, all say these things. But when I read the paper, they weren't in there. So I don't know if someone's actually done a bit of investigative 
journalism and actually mm. gone and spoken to the authors. But right. they essentially, as the story goes, I'm going to have to preface it with, they said to them, based on good behavior, if you take part in this study, we will give you an all-you-can-eat buffet. So again, very motivated um, yep. uh, individuals. <clears throat> they said gain 25% of your body weight, I think it was. And, and you essentially you'll get let out of prison a, a little bit early based on good behavior. And some of these individuals had such adaptive metabolisms. Um, you know, the difference in weight gain was something like one, one um, guy could only through, you know, just eating and eating and eating, only was able to increase his body weight by like nine pounds. And then someone else was in the kind of 30 pound arena. Wow. And um, <clears throat> you look at it with twins as well, um, like the overfeeding studies by Bouchard, Claude Bouchard. He... Um, you, they overfeed them by a personalized thousand calorie surplus per day and the inter-twin variation versus the no sorry the intra-twin variation so between two identical twins versus yeah. inter between another set of twins variation is like six times greater so you get what and, and then it and based on um, intra-abdominal fat gain it's it's even even more strongly correlated so you overfeed them by a thousand calories, and again, the difference in weight gain um, is unbelievably different. So again, I think this study they overfed them a thousand calories a day for a hundred days, but only six days a week. So they did a thousand calorie surplus six days. I don't know what they did on the Sunday. Probably just said eat ad libitum yeah. for a hundred days, and so you do the maths. But it's something like twenty-four pounds is the gain they should have had, and some of these twins only gained four pounds. And then another another set of twins gained thirty pounds, so more than they even, you know, as a calculation should have. Right. So potentially in those people, their adaptive metabolism, they're the kind of people who you reverse diet and they just get fat. And and I've had these clients. You go, oh man, you're so. I just you just need to eat more. Like I believe you, you're not eating enough. We're just going to try and reverse diet. We're going to gradually add calories, and they just gain weight. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. We'll stick with this because at some point you're gonna you're gonna get to a you, something's gonna kick in. You're gonna yeah. start actually fidgeting or whatever protein yeah. synthesis is actually gonna occur in you, and um, they just get fat. <laughs> yeah. And um, then you get other guys, um, and I think I can't remember why, where what paper or where I saw this, but it was like the, the kind of Asian population, like Japanese guys you overfeed them and they just gain lean body mass. And um, so again, those, those different kinds of individuals. So the, when I talk about adaptive metabolisms, it's like some people, and it, it goes both ways. So mm. you get the people who you diet them and their metabolism just crashes. But again, I'm talking about their TDEE, so their total daily energy expenditure. Yep. So their BMR you know, is gonna drop by 15, 20%, let's say. But, and that's it, no more. But their activity, their wasteful energy expenditure just plummets. Mm. And um, as an interesting facet, this isn't evidence-based, this is experience-based. In those individuals, I very much find kind of cyclical deficits being so much more useful. So, you know, there's, there's this create the 5-2 diet, has that made it over there? Or, yeah, um, yep. Um, so something like that can be really useful just because it's this extreme deficit and then they go back to maintenance so at maintenance there shouldn't be any adaptation occurring 
and um, you know we know the whole like overfeeding thing so I did the whole yeah I'm gonna overeat one day a week to boost my metabolism yeah but we know from research the one day doesn't really work yep and um, you obviously get a big boost in glycogen and training might be a bit better for a day or two but it's not any you know you're not you know BMR isn't going up or it's not affecting leptin or T3 yeah and um, so but in this so we know that with three days that you can affect those things so with the 5-2 diet you do get a three day um, of, of higher calories for instance so you know the other method I'm a big fan of huge deficits if someone can can maintain them and um, I think one of the things I've been shouting about a little bit recently is just like muscle loss is just a rep like no one loses muscle if they're not an idiot in the gym um, mm. you keep protein up um, you you don't train like a moron you keep the you know intensity kind of weight on the bar where it is yep. and just diet really hard as long as you can maintain and then you <clears throat> stop when you can't yeah and uh, again doing that with individuals we know that it doesn't metabolically damage them yeah we know that they're not going to lose loads of muscle so do that with someone I like I've done that with some females because again you then go okay because you've done that insane um, kind of protein sparing modified fast type protocol we can now eat at maintenance for this much longer you're not even on a diet anymore but we're yeah. going to get to the same place we were going to get to with stop-start dieting. And yeah. for me, this isn't true of everyone. And like physique athletes, they can just switch it on, switch it off. And that's what I was like, but it's not anymore. But people are a little bit all or nothing. You you put them in a 500-calorie deficit, they might as well be in a 1,000-calorie yeah. deficit. They're just hungry. Hungry yeah. sucks. Mm. So just be a tiny bit more hungry. That's the other thing. I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting um, it, it kind of revolutionized my practice when I realized that people could do that and um, they it, it just allowed me to help more people and again if you fast for I don't do this too often but say fast for 36 hours you're not actually that much more hungry than just being on a regular diet for a few days mm. um, you know 500 calorie deficit it's just I want to eat more um, and it's just that drive of I'm not eating enough so again, it's kind of, I find that that can be helpful with some clients is just really hammer it and then stop, um, yeah. you know, that psychological break. What, you, you mentioned um, basically dispelling the myth of a, yeah, let's have a refeed meal to, to bump up metabolic rate, eh, mm. no, two days, eh, maybe slightly. So you're saying that uh, three days you should see some elevation in metabolic rate beyond... Uh, thermic effective food and um, that type of stuff. Minimum three days. I mean, I generally try and, uh, time permitting, bring energy back up for a seven day period, five to seven days, and then oh, go back cool, into yeah. a deficit. It, it longer, if you have the time, better to to reestablish a baseline energy again and and raise that metabolic rate that's that's slow. Mm. So um, yeah, I um, I recently was asked to write for Alan Aragon's research review. I don't know if you if you you guys are kind of aware of it, but I um, I did an article on that, which was basically my my bodybuilding career basically ripped apart, and how much of an idiot I was, and how I'd improve it. And I I kind of conceptualized a lot of things that I hadn't ever really put pen to paper or like mathematicalized them mm, yep. and um, 
I, I kind of talked about okay if you were if you were really gonna do it by the book you had a robot you're gonna do exactly as you you know you were told etc you know you'd you'd increase your dieting length by maybe six weeks for for instance and then you'd 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 use two different things you'd use diet breaks and yeah. you'd use refeeds and they for me they're two very very distinctly different things so you've got the refeed which I think is you know this kind of three-day thing yep. you jam um, dietary fat through the floor you ramp dietary carbohydrate through the roof you keep protein consistent yep. and you you overfeed so you go into a somewhat of a calorie surplus for those three days and you know this is what we can see <clears throat> has these I'll say profound but um, effects on kind of leptin and and t3 etc yep. and, and we know that it raises energy expenditure so caveat of is is that I'm currently not sure and I'm not sure anyone necessarily is sure some people might be sure but maybe prematurely that actually if you just stayed in a deficit for those three days would you end up just being in the same place two weeks down the line so 14 yeah. days of diet versus yeah. 11 yeah. days of diet plus these three-day refeed mm -hmm. yeah. but refeeds are fun so yeah um, exactly it's kind of yeah, they're fun and you train a bit better and it feels nice yeah. um, but, but at the same time the difference is is that is not a psychological break because you're still macro counting you're mm. you're physically you know like jamming fat through the fort isn't overly fun but putting carbs through the roof is but yeah. actually you actually sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable with that many that much carbohydrate yeah, I've got yeah. a bit of a yeah. rubbish appetite but um so you do that and it's not necessarily the psychological break versus the diet break which you put in for a whole week and you and you rather than going to a surplus it's five to seven days of roughly predicted maintenance or you know where you know is roughly about maintenance for you and again even if you get that a bit wrong it's like if you're in a 300 calorie surplus every day for a week you know what has that actually done you know, actually, if you were a bit glycogen depleted when you started that, you didn't put on any body fat. You just yeah. glycogen loaded, carbo loaded. Um, so, but that is a bit more of a psychological break. It is also, you know, physiologically beneficial, mm -hmm. and um, it will hopefully restore things like NEAT and TDE, etc. Yep. Um, but it's also quite a nice psychological break. You, you get rid of hunger which is fantastic for a short period of time yeah. and then you you know you get back on the wagon and hit it hard um, yeah okay so two, two slightly different uh, well distinctly different uh, concepts here the refeed period versus uh, the diet break diet break and um, both had their place awesome so Martin with the uh, the NEAT and total daily energy expenditure and these concepts essentially is that just coming down to just physically things that if the person was totally conscious about they could actually control or or are these you know differences in the twins and the studies and adaptive metabolisms is that is there a physiological basis to that as well or is it literally come down to just the amount of activity and and the you know as little as holding posture and sitting down more and all these kind of things as it have that much of an effect yeah so I've taken it upon myself to try and um, it's not caught on yet but I think you're the first podcast I'm going to say it on so I'll see if it takes off in the industry <laughs> but um, the I've, I've taken it upon myself to redefine so NEAT obviously 
um, is anything from walking around the shops for six hours carrying shopping bags. And the reason I came to this kind of dislike for the term neat was because of the research by Anne Laux into energy availability. And it looks at like follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone and um, pulsatility and amplitude in, in females and female athletes, etc. Yeah. based on kind of the level of calories they've got based on lean body mass. And there's this kind of figure sheet, they throw out 30 calories per kilogram lean body mass energy availability is where basically things go real bad and uh, so at a conference I said oh right so and, and the definition of energy availability is a funny one because you, you, you minus out the calories that are burned by exercise so I said oh interesting how do you define exercise so you know if someone carries shopping bags around the, the you know the shops for six hours just walking around it's not exercise it's not planned exercise and it was like, oh, there, that doesn't count. And I was like, are you serious? That's so you're classing that the same as fidgeting. You're classing that the same as tapping your finger. You know, these things that are yeah. also neat. Mm. You know, postural control. It's the same as walking around shops carrying heavy shopping bags. Well, Farmers walks. Yeah, it's a loaded carry. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great for that so, uh, inner unit. Um, so I've basically defined them as I've changed neat to the other NEPA, so non-exercise physical activity. So NEAT or NEPA for me is the stuff that you can control. The, um, the Going to the shops, how many steps do you do a day? A day yeah. Wearing a step counter versus, and I've called it NINAT, non-exercise, non-activity thermogenesis. So it's basically, that is the things that are pointless trying to control. Fidgeting, yeah. blinking, yeah. postural control, like all of those things you know like I can imagine some bodybuilders are like ah I'm gonna tap my finger you know I'm gonna <laughs> do it counter each day um, and so but the other things and, and this isn't something that I have ever done until probably the last few years and it's something that I feel like seems a bit like all the gear no idea you know like a bit like buying all the gym stuff and but you've just got no idea what you're doing but i mm. actually think it's worthwhile these activity trackers um and it's it just seems so poncy so kind of fashionable but actually that yeah they're inaccurate but based on an individual you can get a baseline and if after 12 weeks of dieting their number of steps is just so different <laughs> Yeah, Martin, I will jump in there and, and uh, I'm just going to blow my own trumpet a little. But uh, I did uh, allude the listeners to that, uh, you know, just getting the Fitbit and because uh, I was talking about the non-exercise activity and, um, you know, Lyle McDonald is massive on, uh, you know, he thinks that's, uh, and it sounds like it's you're alluding to that as well, but that's a huge game changer. Uh, in regards to hitting plateaus in a, in a dining block and I said you know why don't we just get a Fitbit and uh, track a baseline okay you're doing 10,000 steps but you've got to maintain that 10,000 all the way through to, to a comp day you yeah. Know? yeah so yes yeah fascinating you, you, you actually think that's a, a significant player as well and, and when you answer that the you know that fidgeting the the tapping the toes the and you know the being more animated you know that the girl that yeah. you're working with uh, the athlete trying to make weight you said she didn't smile as, as as much as she sat down in between sets do you what sort of calories do you think that adds adds up to throughout the 24-hour period is it you know 100 calories or could it potentially be three or four hundred calories in a given day just all those those expressions like we so like the knee side of things the things yeah. that you can't really control yeah. or the, the other mm. side 
Yes. Uh, well, well, both. Like, I mean, uh, the, obviously, the, the the actual things that you control, the, the walking, the ten thousand steps, that would obviously equate to, yeah, like ballpark figures, uh, roughly, yeah, so you know. And then also the the other stuff. Like, I'm curious. Yeah. So the um, like what you know how you said there, maintain that ten thousand all the way through the diet. Yeah. Mm. It's that's kind of you know the whole oh should you do cardio what you know should bodybuilders do cardio should they do their fasted walking you know whatever should they be doing hit and for me it's it's exactly that when you know typical prep coaches will add in cardio through a diet and it's like as long as it's the not lot low intensity it's not adding to you know necessarily taxing your yep. recovery cap- capabilities all you're doing is adding neat yeah. Um, the, you know the walking on the treadmills it's not necessarily the bike sprints or those kind of things that people might do um, and so the, you know the magnitude of that could be the, it, obviously it depends on their kind of body weight but if you're talking about someone an, an average person who let's say their maintenance is uh, two or, or kind of their let's say their BMI is 2,000 calories so a yeah. guy 2,000 calories if he's um, if his PAL, physical activity, DAF is like 1.6, which is not, you know, that's just kind of average, whatever. You're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calories um, to, you know, what is that, 1,200 calories of of expenditure that if he went down to what this girl was on, which which I would say is like a 1.05 or 1.1, you're taking that down from 1,200 to 200. So if he had a really adaptive metabolism so then you combine that with the adapt with the kind of metabolic adaptation not damage of let's say a maximal 20 percent and then you add that on top of that so we're going the mr is going down another so sort of 400 or or total tde is going down another 400 you know you start to get into the realms of actually they're not eating that much at all Mm. and they actually aren't losing any body fat and so then that's the other issue of people being really really specific so one of the things i like to teach and when i've got visuals and a graph but drawing out a seven day period because this is what i did for the last four weeks of my bodybuilding prep my my diet got progressively more extreme, so down to 1,600 calories whilst training once or twice a day. Yeah. I wasn't a cardio person, unfortunately, which is why I never got properly shredded. Yeah. But I, you know, and I was, you know, very adapted. I did. I had the face thing where you just, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm ecstatic. And people are like, man, you look depressed. <laughs> um, and so, but, so I was down to 1,600 calories. Now, if I drop that down from 1,800, if I was maintaining on 1800, I've only dropped it 200 calories a day. That's 1400 calorie deficit. That's not a week. That's not going to see big changes on the scales. Yeah. But my carb up, my che- you know, back then I called it a cheat meal, was getting progressively more ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, 4000, 5000, 6000 calories, all it's all on one day and it's boosting my metabolism. I won't store it. Yes, you will. Yeah, all yeah. of those calories count. So my 6000 on the Sunday if I spread that 6,000, or let's say it was seven to make the mass easy, that's another 1,000 calories I could have eaten on every other day that week, mm. or you know, minus the, you know, whatever the calories I needed for that day. Um, yeah. But you, when you start explaining it like that to people, it, 
it's not you can't just have those magical cheat meals all the calories count so stop looking at one day stop looking at seven days look at 30 days yeah. where do your calories actually lie over that 30 days yes fascinating the, yeah but the big uh, the big picture don't look at the you know the the look at the the whole mesocycle the four or five week block that's fascinating so the the actual the animation in um which you will always see for our for our listeners that uh, do work with uh, the athletic population or competitors you know they the shoulders slump and they start dragging the heels around and they'll catch the cab everywhere opposed to walking i mean that uh there must be a huge uh, huge reduction in the uh, just through body language alone i mean yeah it depending on how kind of animated they are to begin with it's yeah. going to be proportion in the decrease i think in terms of the your three different you know if you've got your knee nat your neat and your exercise energy expenditure plus BMR I think fortunately the NENAT side of it that posture stuff is probably the smallest part of the equation yeah. um, and, it, and it's more the kind of steps a day it's the, the, the funny the other one is like it, um, kind of looking at the research where you put someone in a deficit and it starts to change psychology as it were i.e. oh I am um, oh we've run out of I don't know toothpaste (laughs) will I walk to the shops no I'll drive and it's Mm. suddenly when it starts to affect that at that kind of level you know constant decisions shall I take the stairs shall I take the lift all of these different things whereas you might be a naturally really wasteful person with your energy you suddenly become really really freaking efficient and this is the other thing cardio exercise efficiency we know it improves massively so you're doing jogging you're doing i don't know cross trainer you're doing uphill walking you become more efficient in those things Mm. so So everything is working against you when you're on a diet so you actually burn uh as the uh you get further and further balls deep into the prep you you actually you become far more efficient at doing the same amount of work don't you yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's all, all working against you man even as far as the way the nervous system will correct your posture is just walking yeah. to try and conserve as much energy as possible. I mean, the yeah. whole process of dieting, yeah. everything is working against yeah. you. <laughs> and, and, and the body loves... So listeners, much. don't diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the body, I mean, that's what the body's very good at, is, is, is adapting. So mm. it'll always find the easiest possible way, uh, unknowingly, uh, a lot of the time, you know. So it's uh, a, a challenge. And that, I guess fundamentally, that's why it is, it is so challenging for, for many out there to get the... the stage ready or, or that super super low body fat percentage because it uh it gets exponentially harder the the, the further into the prep mm. you go fascinating mm-hmm. right man so we're just coming up on about an hour or so so we wouldn't mind just picking your brains on a couple of the the facts and, and fiction or the yeah. myths in the industry and you've alluded to a few of them yeah and you like nothing more than being a little controversial <laughs> so we'll uh, throw these at you you can uh, blow them out of the water or agree with them and Maybe a little little uh, snippet on each. Okay, so I think we've got an idea of this one, but uh, breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Yeah, so rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that no metabolic adaptation by, uh, you know, ramping up metabolism by getting that meal in first thing? Yeah, no, ridiculous. So this is, this is one of those things which I said to so many clients over the years, you must eat breakfast. When I dieted yeah. for bodybuilding, I ate breakfast. Look at me. Yeah. Look at my abs. Um, so it's yeah the whole you go into starvation mode rubbish yeah. it boosts your metabolism you know rubbish over 24 hours when you eat you do get the thermic effect of feeding but yeah. 
the, the point is, is you get that when you eat. It's calorie dependent. It's the same as meal frequency or meal size or whatever. So, the, you know, even from a, there's a very, very small area where it, it might be more beneficial to kind of either front load calories or which all the kind of backload, carb backloading guys won't like. But, um, you know, there's a small piece of, uh, or area of research where it might be good to front load calories or carbs, but at the end of the day, it's, it's pointless. Like again, boringly adherence is key. So for me, for some people skipping breakfast slash intermittent fasting, if you want to call it a fancy name, um, you know, can be so useful for fat loss and it this ridiculous like again oh muscle atrophy you need to eat as soon as you wake up otherwise you're going to hemorrhage all your muscle rubbish okay. like it's probably not the best way to maximally gain muscle okay yep. but in terms of muscle retention rubbish like you can not eat for hours and hours and hours mm. so yeah okay that one done i suppose on the back of that you're gonna probably tell me as i put down my bulletproof coffee you're gonna tell me that that's uh <laughs> that's not uh the greatest thing in the world and i shouldn't be throwing 500 calories into a cup of coffee to somehow boost metabolic rate and help me lose weight is that what you're saying yeah. there martin boost, boost metabolic rate beyond the 500 calories that you could <laughs> you did. yeah wow yeah. it is amazing that we like i personally have believed not that one but stuff like that like oh increase your calories by 500 and like again go with clients don't you go oh you're eating too little you need to eat more to lose weight and mm. i have said that before <laughs> you know i've increased their calories by 500 and i think somehow the metabolism hasn't just increased by 500 it's increased by a thousand because now they're losing a pound a week it's it's crazy mm. um and there is some cool research on that side sorry it's off topic but um basically setting they did a uh, they basically set calories based on their food diary versus calories based on their calculated estimated calorie needs so they did their food diaries they all lied on their food diaries underreported mm, massively mm -hmm. they gave them a diet based on their lies and they didn't adhere to it because it was too few calories and they were really hungry so they they and they but they gave them a different diet which was a 500 calorie deficit based on the calculated equation and they lost more weight despite being prescribed more calories simply because they adhered to that one because it was more realistic. Mm, so that's an interesting one in terms of, yeah, you probably can eat more to lose weight, but you're not actually eating more calories. You're just prescribing more calories. Therefore, it's more realistic for the yeah. client to attain. Um, yeah. right. So anyway, soft topic, bulletproof. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> what about eating before bed, Martin? Are we uh, well, yeah, like disrupting our sleep, or are we building some building like, some muscle while we sleep? Pros cons. It's okay if uh, total energy for the day is uh, adhered to. Like, what's your spin on that one? Yeah. So um, I'm I'm very much kind of the same way. Breakfast isn't the most important meal of the day. You know, I was one of these, you can't eat carbs at night because it's going to blunt your growth hormone release when you go to sleep and you won't lose as much fat and those kind of things. That was me yeah. as a bodybuilder <laughs> at 18 years old. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, when I got my in my best shape um, probably two, three years ago, I was eating most of my carbs in the evening, you know, was intermittent fasting, was having massive kind of spaghetti bolognese with, you know, all the trimmings pre-bed because it was post-training, it yep. was the nice time, it helped me sleep really well, etc. Yep. And you know, people do say, for any listeners or you know, clients of trainers that listen to your podcast, that whole thing of, well, if you eat the carbs at night, you're going to sleep, so you're not gonna use them, so they'll be stored as body fat. Like, yep. the That's premise possible. of this is, is that total calories all being equal. 
So yeah. don't have your cocoa pops and banana for breakfast. Just don't have them. <laughs> Wait till lunch and have a decent lunch, and then put the calories from the cocoa pops and banana or the cocoa pops and banana yeah. in the evening when you're, you know, winding down. You've got too much time on your hands. You're watching telly. That is, you know, and that's for me one of the biggest things in the world of you can eat carbs at night and lose weight. Mm. It's adherence. It's when do people, how many of, you know, corporate clients or whoever, oh yeah, in the daytime I can just not eat. It's in the evenings I have the real issue. And someone goes, well, you must eat breakfast and you must eat lunch and you must snack seven times a day. And then they've used up all their calories and then they still eat in the evening because they're bored. Yep. So, all right. So, total energy, got to to keep an eye on that. What about on the back of that? You mentioned Cocoa Pops and obviously banana, but uh, the Cocoa Pops prompted the. If it fits your macros, uh, your spin on that, obviously, again, you're probably going to say, you know, as long as energy balance uh, is uh, adhered to in some way, shape or form, it's it's not a bad thing, but nutrient density, etc. What, what are your thoughts on if it fits your macros? Yeah, so I'm a massive fan of flexible dieting and if it fits your macros, again, because of my personal experience of being a clean eater you know ruining my life for many years because i thought i needed to eat special foods you know do these kind of things and again only morons think that you have to eat 100% clean all the time but again only morons think that you can just have whey and pop tarts and be healthy like yes you can yeah. lose body weight we know that you know we've got the professor mark how is that the twinkie diet twinkie diet yeah, and, you know, any of these different facets. Yeah. But, yeah, of course, micronutrients, nutrient density. But for me, the biggest thing is saying to a client, you can swap that porridge for that for those jelly babies and lose body fat. And it, it's just such a, you know, if the, the world could know this, I mean, it does require them then to count macros. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, a lot of my clients, or you know, I don't really work with people anymore, but you know over the years just would not count calories you know that's not what they're paying you for mm. they've got money to pay you to make them lose weight without them making effort so that's when you have to be a magician obviously Very good. um yeah some clean eating then is necessary you need to reduce food palatability or you know whatever way you can yes. do it but yeah. yeah i'm a fan of if it fits your macros if you're not an idiot yeah a moron yeah. okay <laughs> what about one last one if let's say i am going to take an, an if it fits in your macros approach and i've just trained and rather than having my uh white protein and uh, high gi white rice mm. i'm going to have a burger and there's uh, no no tell me carbs, carbs and fats brother carbs and fats in the same tisk, meal tisk. am oh, i not yeah. going to Don't load any of that glycogen that i'm eating from my french fries so what are we having a burger so yes, basically carbs and fats. Carbs and fats in the same meal. Carbs yeah. and fats, is that the uh, the devil? Oh, carbs and fats. So uh, interestingly, there was a study recently that showed that adaptations to endurance training were blunted with a high-fat post-training meal. And ah. so I don't like that study. It's against <laughs> my biases. Yes. However, Good. that's just that was just an interesting kind of facet. Um, but in general... Yeah, you know the whole kind of you need a fast acting this and a fast acting that like a you don't need carbs post training that's you know another not listening blah 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 blah
Um, so you just need routine. You need to hit losing threshold. So if yeah. your burger's going to do that, um, again, the whole kind of speed of thing of like, oh, the the anabolic window. I know people are kind of like the anabolic barn door and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's so if you're going to have your cross flow microfiltrated whey protein <laughs> hydrolysate that yeah. you know absorbs in five seconds versus something that absorbs in twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and hits leucine threshold, you know measurably it's not going to make any difference you know i still will use a chocolate cross um, <laughs> cold filtered cross flow hydrolyzed <laughs> way yeah. yeah i won't use something that's really really fancy but i'll still use a shake rather than whole food again it's just nice drinking a chocolate milkshake yeah. um but again the, there's not really a need to be uber uber fancy with it um no, no one's really done the study. No one's ever done the tuna can of tuna versus the most expensive protein shake and seen if there's any measurable difference. Probably because no one will fund that study. Yeah, well, um, it'd be because they don't want anyone it, to know the answer. It'd, it'd be a boring, boring <laughs> study, Martin. Yes. We don't want to know about tuna. I might just sneak one last little one before we wrap it up there, Martin. Just yeah. while you're on a roll, um, the GI of carbohydrates is fundamentally a carbohydrate. A carbohydrate, or do we? I mean, you alluded to it then, having fast acting. You know carbs and, and and protein, but you know, is yeah. it going to kill me if I uh, have a, a, a slow burning uh, sweet potato type carb meal or a you know a white long grain rice? Is it uh, or or a, a cup of sugar to get the same amount of carbs? Is the body going to know any different? Is and, this post training uh, or just generally? Just just generally. I mean, post training, our listeners will probably you know already know that something that's faster absorbing would be a little better. But um, but just just generally speaking, is it going to be the end of the world if I have a you know, a cup of honey with my, uh, you know, protein for lunch and, and, and veggies instead of a, a sweet potato is the body fundamentally going to be any worse off if total energy is being um, adhered to, you know, for the day? Yeah, I think probably my bias is that it's going to make no difference mm. um, in in an otherwise healthy individual. So again, sure. if you're training and you're lean, and this is the problem, the ones who are in the best case scenario, the ones that are metabolically flexible, the ones that can you know, switch between their fuel sources, the ones that are insulin sensitive, etc., are the ones who worry about the minutia. So, um, and it literally will probably make no difference whether they have sweet potato, white rice, or a cup of honey. That sounds yeah. disgusting, but a cup of honey. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll just make no difference. Whereas, in a different scenario, again, if they're counting macros, it makes even less of a difference. Yeah. Um, so you did say calories kind of being equal. Yeah. I, I probably do have a, a slight feeling that maybe that if it fits your macros, the people like me and, and potentially you that is like, yeah, energy balance is just, you know, it is without a doubt the most important factor. Sure. However, there's probably, you know, the kind of carbohydrate kinetics, the glucose kinetics within the blood, if you do have a change in the area under the curve, is that therefore exposing more kind of proteins to glucose and getting glycated, you know, like yeah. HbA1c, glycated hemoglobin, and yep, sure. you know, and someone who's otherwise healthy, it just going to make no difference. But actually, maybe for some people, it it's worth just being a bit more, you know, less kind of if it fits your macros and and worrying a tiny bit more about nutrient density and whole foods and sure. you know, GI I hate like GI is rubbish, but maybe glycemic load is a one step better or you yeah. know just nutrient dense foods but very good, good answer yeah. yeah 
No, all right. Well, I feel a lot smarter, Tommy. Yes, much better off for that one. Martin, thank you very much for that, mate. I know it's late over in the UK, but I guess that's uh, it's Mac time, considering there's a, <laughs> there's a little child that you're looking after these days. Um, yeah. What's next on the cards for you, mate? Anything uh, exciting in the wings? Uh, we have just, like, like I said, MNU went so big, we, rather than doing it, you know, October to October every year, we have actually done a second intake April to April. So it's, you know, so for the full online version, which is the one that we get loads of Americans, we've got a, an Australian GP, I think, on the course. Oh, She's awesome. really cool. Um, cool. So again, like actually wanting to help people with kind of the stuff that matters rather than just maybe drugs and whatever. Mm, yep. um, and uh, so that one where kind of Australians, Americans, people in uh, Dubai, everyone is signing up. There are still, you know, plenty of places because we increase the intake for that. Yep. But again, that starts in April. So the big thing for me at the minute is, yeah, just getting people to do that because that's my baby. Yeah. And um, yeah, Any, I think that's uh, it. What about, uh, and you know, I'm notorious for asking every guest to uh, come down under. What about some sort of uh, tour <laughs> down under? Uh, a uh, nutritional seminar I know uh, you alluded to the fact you love uh, getting up in front of people and getting put on the spot uh, what about some uh, lectures down under mate maybe we could uh, chat chat offline and organise something for yeah. next year yeah I'd absolutely love that so I, that, like I said my, my absolute passion and the thing I get the most you know you know, heartwarming kind of praise about is kind of public speaking I'm like I did the Epic Fitness Summit in the UK um, last year, the year before, yeah. and again it was like loads of Americans came over, and for me it was like a real coming of age sort of thing in terms of awesome. people were like just thought I was some internet troll, and um, <laughs> you know, came and saw me speak, and, and the the Americans thought I was hilarious, so it was brilliant, and it was kind of you know a lot of the feedback of the whole conference was you know the real dark horse was Martin McDonald and just because I so love good. speaking in front of people you know I think in another life I, I would love to be a stand-up comedian and not that I think yeah. I'm overly funny but just people like a bit of dry humor I like going yeah. close to the bone people sort of giggle at it so I would I'd absolutely love to come to Australia I've, I've never been yeah. um, I've got asked to speak in Austria next year so slight almost a bit yeah, like Australia, yeah. but almost, you know, almost the same part of the world but I'd like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I think that's life goal for me. Speak around the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, in nice oh, countries. Well, let's see if we can uh, make that happen. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds, sounds great. Sounds really exciting. Mm, okay. All, all right, Martin. Well, um, mate, thank you so much for your time yep. uh, today. You. Really appreciate that, mate. Very illuminating. We'll um, maybe uh, we'll, we'll squeeze another hour out of him uh, at a future date. There, Tommy. We we had tons of topics we didn't get to, but uh, yeah. but we covered a, an awesome amount of content today. So I really appreciate I think that. It's probably the shortest shortest podcast I've done. Normally, I just talk. <laughs> that's great. And we've... Your listeners will thank you, I'm sure. That's <laughs> been awesome, man. That, that's wonderful, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks Martin. You. Talk to you soon, mate. Thanks, Martin. See you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that was it. Tom Hewitt here. <laughs> You've been in a really loose. playful, playful mood today. Very, loose. very loose. I think it's the scream cream. Yeah, well, I did rub a little on Martin McDonald there, and, and he's a really interesting character. Rod, and I think it would be worthwhile for PTs out there that are, are looking for that certification. Yes, certainly to ensure yourself 
yep. for uh, writing uh, nutrition plans. Yeah, well, he said uh, and, that that's that's on the cards to get every country. Yeah, he's, he's on a similar path of world domination. Yeah, we'll have to we'll head him off at the pass. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't have a millennium yeah. noggin on his he side. Doesn't does he doesn't have a millennium or or a Wookie. Yeah. Wookie makes some noise. Very good, <laughs> very good. So that was Mac Nutrition, Mac Mark Nutrition. McCon, awesome stuff. Great uh, little interview there, and, and he certainly did a little bit of myth-busting for us at the end. Which and is also, we maybe a, a tour down under, who knows? Yeah, let's get him down here, let's why not? Let's get him not? down here. Yeah. Plenty of stuff to look forward to in the future, Rod. Yep. I think we're, we're due for another, it's been a couple of weeks since we had Broderick on. Yes. Might be time to get him back to, to tackle a few yeah. tackle a few issues. A couple it's of curly ones serious? I want to track at, yeah. track at him. Uh, so I think uh, that's the show. That's pretty much it. So contact uh, uh, under the bar podcast underthebarpodcast dot com. Uh, please speak leave pipe. us a speak pipe. Yeah, yeah it's very popular this segment, yeah. but uh, we're, we're, we're saving, keeping them the kitty for a rainy day. <laughs> we're going to play all those speak pipes, but yeah. don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid to get on and leave us a little speak pipe. Could mm. be a question, could be a comment. Mm. Look, maybe if you just tell come us how much you hate us, or you want some scream cream. Yeah, maybe yeah. you could uh, scream into the uh, speak pipe. If you ha- have a chance to try some uh, Cialis intra workout, yeah, uh, let us know how. Now you, go. you know it's. Uh, I expect no. Uh, I accept no responsibility for anything that happens yeah, thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Very good. And as you know, obviously you do your research. Don't just take it on my merit. You'd have to talk to your GP on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, contact you how tomhewitt.com.au Elusive, the Dubois method.com. You can, it's coming soon still. It's yeah. been there for a couple of years. But yeah, a man of mystery. Yeah, I hope and you're uh, still paying for that coming yes. soon page. Yeah, good. Yeah, very yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many expenses I have. And of course, uh, Instagram, the Dubois method, and uh, Facebook if you want to hit me up or hit me up on Facebook personal page. Very nice. Have a lovely day. Goodbye.